this morning, uh, we are continuing on uh, in the book of Revelation uh, in this month of December as we're kind of capping off the year and capping off what we've been going through um, together uh, this whole year of the four-part story of Scripture. And I want to just give us a few reminders uh, about the book of Revelation before we uh, look at Revelation 19. One is this, that the book of Revelation is, is given to us to enliven our imaginations about what it is that God is doing in Christ, in his world, about what God is doing and moving everything toward Jesus. So the book of Revelation is full of numerous uh, word pictures that describe how everything is moving toward Jesus, that describe how God is dealing with sin, that describe our relationship to God through Jesus and how Jesus is ultimately making all things uh, new. So that's a couple of things. Another thing is this, is that we have to have this book, the book of Revelation, for the four-part story. Without this book, the four-part story is not complete. We have to have the book of Revelation. And in Revelation 19, what we have is this glorious image of God's people, a multitude gathered together, bringing praise and worship to him for what he has done, and in God bringing his people to a wedding, to the wedding between the Lamb and the people of God. So we see God's people being brought to their wedding. We see us being brought to our wedding with Jesus. And so let's take this in. Read God's Word. This is Revelation chapter 19. This is God's Word for us this morning. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for His judgments are true and just. For He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of His servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's pray together and ask God to help us understand his word this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you that you are a God who desires relationship with us. And in that relationship, you desire to communicate to us what we were made for. To love you, to love each other, and to love the place that you put us. And as we come to your word this morning in Revelation 19, and we see the culmination of 
who we are as your people to be wed to our bridegroom, Jesus, who has given himself for us. We pray that you would press in on our hearts what it is that you are doing in all of creation, what it is that you're doing in our own hearts in ripping out sin and evil and presenting us pure and bright and fine linen to our Savior, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we know that apart from you, none of this will sink down. And so we pray that you would do that work. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago, we began in Revelation chapter 1 and, um, and talked a little bit about how traditionally this season during the calendar year um, is known as the Advent season in the church. And Advent is really all about um, longing, uh, longing for Jesus. Um, and in Jesus' birth, um, God's people were longing for the first coming of the Messiah. And we, as those who sit on this side of the cross, we long for Jesus' second coming. Um, and we've been looking at that in the book of Revelation together. But I want to start this morning with this idea of longing. I want to ask you all a question. And, um, and I'm looking for responses um, to come back to me. So I'm going to ask this question, and let's think about this together. What are you longing for? What are you longing for? Honesty. Okay. What else? Peace. Yeah. What else? Comfort. What else? Endurance. Yeah. Stability. Yeah. Restoration. Yeah. I don't know about y'all. Um, I'm, I'm longing for, honestly, I'm longing for a day when we can gather together, all of us, <laughs> and sing together again and not necessarily have to wear these masks and everything. I'm longing for COVID to be ripped out by the roots. This is a season of longing. What I want us to see in Revelation chapter 19 this morning is that all of those longings, everything that just came to your mind and everything that you even just verbalized and voiced out loud, all of our longings are met in Jesus. And our relationship with Jesus, Revelation 19 shows us, is a marriage. Our relationship with Jesus is a marriage. And so we're going to think about two images together that we see in Revelation 19 this morning. The first image is worship, and the second image is wedding. So let's dig in together and think about worship together, this image of worship that we get here in Revelation chapter 19. Because chapter 19 begins with this multitude of people who are in heaven, and they are rejoicing at something that they are seeing. And so we have to dig back in just a little bit back to chapter 18 to understand where we're coming at in 19. Because in chapter 18, chapter 18 shows us how God is destroying uh, Babylon. And in the book of Revelation, Babylon is representative of all of the evil and sin and brokenness and everything that exists in God's good creation. And what God is doing in chapter 18 is he is destroying all of that. He's destroying Babylon. And so Revelation 19 comes and there's this multitude that is in heaven 
and is looking back down on earth at what it is that God is doing and bursts forth with hallelujah, with praise, power, and glory, and salvation belong to our God because we have a God who is just and he is true and his judgments are just and they are true. And so it's just this scene of worship bursting forth from heaven looking down on earth. And why is it that they are worshiping? Verse 2 tells us because the great prostitute has been destroyed. And that great prostitute right there is synonymous with Babylon. That what God is doing is he is ripping out sin and evil from his creation. And he's doing it by the roots, totally ripping it out. And as a matter of fact, verse 3 tells us that, that this ripping out is like smoke and fire that goes up forever and ever. And so this ripping out of sin and evil that God is doing is an everlasting thing. Like it is the definitive thing. It will not exist anymore. And so this multitude is, is in heaven looking down on this and bringing praise and worshiping God because he is ripping out sin and evil by its roots. Now let's double click though on this, this, this great prostitute for just a second. Um, and this idea. And let's think about what it's talking about here specifically in Revelation 19. Because one of the things it's talking about specifically here in Revelation 19 is all of the evil and sin that has been perpetrated against God's servants. That's why in verse 2, John writes that, the, that their blood is being avenged, that God ripping this out is avenging the sin and the evil that's been done to his people. And he's doing it by the roots. But here's another thing that we know about this language uh, of prostitute as well as we think about the scriptures as a whole and the Bible as a whole because the idea of, uh, of a prostitute is actually a biblical theme that we see in the scriptures that describes at times how God's people treat God. We actually have a whole book in the Old Testament, pro book of prophecy called Hosea. That, 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 that deals in this kind of imagery. And so there's this cosmic sense to what God is doing in Revelation 19 and ripping out evil and sin from all of creation. But there's also this really personal thing that's happening as well too. Because God is ripping out sin and evil even from our own hearts. That God is doing away with sin, even from our own hearts and all of creation. So, what are you longing for? What sin are you longing for God to rip out of your heart by the roots? Is, is that something that we even, that we even think about? What sin are you longing for God to come in and to grab and to tear out and for you to not have to struggle with that anymore? Let me share just a few with you of, of my own struggles that I have. One struggle that I have, one sin struggle that I have is, is the sin of pride. 
And the way pride often manifests itself in my own life is in this incessant need to be right. And not only that, but for everybody around me to see that I'm right. I need my kids to see that I'm right. I need Carrie to see that I'm right. I need you to see that I'm right. Like, I'm really committed to that. And even so, and if you're someone who struggles with pride and you're someone who struggles with wanting to be right all the time, this is, this is I think you'll identify with this. That even, it's even so deep of a struggle that even when I know that I'm wrong, oftentimes I double down on being right. Right? If you're someone who struggles with that, you know what that's like. To double down and be like, mm, I'm digging in my heels here. And what happens when we do that is we are actually bringing death and destruction into our relationships. Here's another example from my own life. Control. There can be times that I crush my children with control. With my need to have control. And so they walk around on eggshells around dad. Because they might be afraid that they might do something that would, that, that would toss dad's control out. And when I do that, I'm bringing death and destruction into those relationships. But know this, beloved. As deep as our sin is, God's mercy is more. And his grace is bigger. And he is always relating to us in grace. And so what God does in his grace is in the midst of those moments where I've got to be right, he'll prod and say, you need to say that you're wrong. And what he does when he's doing that and he moves us to name it, to call it, to say it out loud, is instead of death and destruction, he's bringing life and flourishing to relationships. When I'm in the midst of, of, of control and getting everybody out of the house at 7.32 a.m. because that's the time I determined in my head that we needed to leave. And I'm taking that out all around and God says, you need to slow down, buddy. You need to let go of this. You're crushing them. And to say that out loud, to name that, like God is in His grace taking sin and evil and ripping it out and replacing it with life and flourishing in Jesus. What sin are you longing for Jesus to rip out by the roots in your own heart? Because that's what God is doing here. That's what he says that he's doing in Revelation 19, that he is cosmically ripping sin and evil out of all of creation, but he's also personally doing that in our own hearts. And as he is doing that, what he is doing is he is preparing us. He is preparing us for a wedding. And that's the second image that we have in Revelation 19. He's preparing us and cleansing us and bringing us to this wedding. And truth be told, the wedding is just an extension of worship. I just needed to have two points in my sermon instead of one. But it is. Like, it's, it's, the, same, it's the same thing. Like, there's this multitude. Like, look at how it's described, I think, in verses 6 and 7 uh, of, this, uh, of this multitude that is gathered together that is bringing praise and worship. And as a matter of fact, I think it's verse 5 where we see the four creatures and the 24 elders. And if you remember last week, Dave talked about how those four creatures represent all of creation. And the 24 elders, they represent all of the people of God. So all of the people of God are here this 
this great multitude and it's like the sound of roaring waters and the sound of thunder peeling things away and clapping. It's like this. We, the bride of Christ, have showed up for our wedding and Jesus is right at the aisle and he's staring back at us, waiting on us to come down. And we have gathered together and it was like we are cheering so loud because of how great and how awesome this is that God has ripped sin and evil out by its roots. And Jesus is beaming at us and he is smiling and he is looking forward to his bride coming down the aisle to marry him. Like that's our future This is us that John is writing about here, along with all of God's people throughout time and memorial. This is for us. Now think a few moments about what happens at a wedding. When you come to a wedding and two people are getting married, one of the things that happens is that those people take vows towards one another. And those vows... um, You know, I mean, even nowadays, you even write your own. Some people even write their own vows. But some of the vows that I think about that Carrie and I took at our uh, at our wedding was to stick with each other um, in plenty and in want, which is just kind of a highfalutin way to say whether we got money or we don't, um, rich or poor, in sickness and in health. And I remember in in that in in that moment at, at at my wedding. And realizing, like looking into Carrie's eyes, that something was happening, and I think that this happens to us at our weddings, is that we are being so pulled outside of ourselves that the only thing that we want is life for that person that we are looking at. And that, that when we say, and in sickness and in health, we are saying, like, I would, I would die for her. I would, I would lay down my life for her. And we mean it. Like, you, 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 you're really meaning it. And then after the wedding happens, then life happens, right? And you realize sickness and health are actually real things. And you do have sickness, and you do have health. And I remember one particular occasion. Um, we had been married uh, probably about a, about a year and a half. It was right towards the end of, uh, of our first pregnancy with Lucy. And uh, in Carrie... Uh, found a, a lump in one of her breasts. Uh, and I'll go ahead and tell you, Carrie did not have breast cancer, so I'll, I'll say that on the front end. But even this whole process of experiencing this together really honed in on what it means to be with each other in sickness and in health. Because at first, the doctor said, well, that's probably, and if you're a mom, you know this, that's probably just a clogged milk duct and, and after you have the baby, it'll be, yeah, it, it'll be fine. Well, we had Lucy, and the lump wasn't going away. And so the doctor said, well, we probably need to take an image of this and see whether it's fluid or, or whether it's solid. And if it's fluid, it's totally fine. Like, we're good to go. If it's solid, we'll talk about it then. And so they took the image, and, and it was a solid mass. And so the next step is that, is that You've got to go and you've, you've got to get it biopsied. And I remember, I remember during all this, I remember driving on the interstate and on the phone with my dad and, and being so scared that Carrie had cancer and, and just saying to my dad, what, what am I going to do? 
there's this little one and she needs her mom. And I can't do that. And I remember, I, I remember saying, I, I would, I will take her place. I would trade places with her. I would, t- I would take her place. And, and I rem- remember that and, and really like meaning that and, and genuinely meaning that. Do we realize that as the bride of Christ, when we come to our wedding, that Jesus is the only one who says, I've already taken your place. We might be willing to do that for another, but Jesus says at the altar, I've already done it. All of, all of my vows, I've already kept them. And you know what else? All of your vows, I've kept them for you too. And I've laid down my life for you, and I've given myself for you. And sin and evil is being ripped out of your hearts. Why? Because I went to the cross And I laid everything bare on that cross. And even though I knew no sin, I became sin for you so that this marriage would happen and flourishing and life would happen and sin and evil would be ripped out of all of creation and even out of your own heart. And I would bring nothing but life, flourishing, and worship to everything. Jesus is the only one who can say that. The only one. And so we come as his bride, and you need to realize, we need to know that when Jesus looks at us down that aisle, he's got a big smile on his face. He delights in you and in me. Are we motivated by that delight? Are we motivated by how much Jesus loves us? How much he gave himself for us? Is that what motivates us to fight sin? Are we motivated to fight sin and to struggle with sin because of how much Jesus loves you and me? That we don't want any part of that because that brings death and destruction. And we want life and we want flourishing. And rest assured, beloved, Jesus is working that into our hearts. He is growing us. He is maturing us. This is our story. This is our future Does our future have an effect on our present and our now? Knowing, knowing that Jesus is going to rip sin and brokenness and evil and disease out of everything. So I've got just a couple of things for us on the back end of these images of worship and a wedding. The first is this. Revelation 19 shows us in a very, very deep way what we were made for. So this is a big picture, blowing it up, connecting to our entire year together. We were made to love God, to love people, and to love place. The picture that we have here in Revelation 19 is literally a wedding where we are coming to be married to Jesus. We were made for that. And we're also collectively together doing that, singing, shouting praises and cheer. We are actually expressing the love that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have for us and giving us Jesus to one another. And so we're expressing love to one another in Revelation 19. And oh man, think for just a moment, just a moment about the eruption of worship that is happening 
at God's people seeing sin and evil ripped out of creation by its roots. We were made to love God, love people, and love place. That's what we were made for. So that's one thing for us to think about as we come away from this passage. The other is this. Let's think about marriage for just a second. Our relationship with Jesus is a marriage. We were made for this. So this morning, whether you're here and you have a spouse, whether you're here and, and you're single, all of us need to know that we were made for a marriage relationship with our God. And that means that we were made for the most intimate of relationships with our God. Because in marriage, what happens in marriage is that you are exposed. You are opened up in ways that you were never opened up before. And that's what Jesus wants with us. He wants us to be exposed to him. In marriage, there is the opportunity for vulnerability around every single turn in marriage. And Jesus is saying, that's the kind of relationship that I want with you. One, where you are fully open with me and fully vulnerable with me. And oh, by the way, I already know you fully. And I already love you fully. And I'm already looking at you with eyes that are eyes for you only and for no other. That's how much Jesus loves us. That's the kind of relationship that Jesus wants with us. So, are you laying yourself bare to Jesus? Are you opening yourself up to Jesus? Are you being vulnerable with Jesus? Are you asking, are you praying and asking, Holy Spirit, please show me my sin? so that I can bring that to Jesus. Please show me the places where I am bringing death and destruction into my relationships so that I can bring that to Jesus. Are we asking those questions? Is that something that you're longing for? Is that something that I am longing for? Is that something that we as God's people are longing for? Because we need to know this. Jesus is always looking at us with delight and excitement and anticipation that we, his bride, belong to him. And he's given us everything. Revelation 19 shows us that our relationship with Jesus is a marriage. Everything is moving toward him. He is ripping out sin and evil by its roots. And beloved, salvation is real. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this, this meal that you have prepared for us that shows us how much you love us. Father, that you would give your one and only Son for us. Jesus, that you would willingly, for the joy set before you, endure the cross for us. Holy Spirit, that you would love us so much to show us our sin and our need for our Savior. So, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray you would make us more and more like our Christ. And it's in his name that we do pray. Amen.
Beloved, our Jesus wants us to leave here knowing that his blessing is upon us and it comes from his word. So let's stand together and let's receive this blessing uh, that is from God's word and is blood bought by our Savior, by Jesus. The Lord will bless you and he will keep you. This week, the smile of the Father is upon you and he will be gracious to you. Today and tomorrow, in 2020 and 2021, and forever and ever and ever, the presence of our God is with us. And he will rip sin and evil out of all of creation and even out of our very own hearts and make us whole. Go in the peace of Christ.